Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. Well, every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. But the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. Now, I appreciate you uh, indulging me in a Christmas poem uh, when it's totally not Christmas. It has nothing to do with Christmas, but just catch the next part. It could be that his head wasn't screwed on just right, or it could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. But I think the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. Thank you, Dr. Seuss, for that image. What I want to commend to you today as we begin the sermon, um, and a lot of people have reflected throughout history, you know, we're not really sure what it was that made me this way or that made it hard for me to do this or why the Grinch was the way he was, but Dr. Seuss's little, you know, prospectus there, perhaps it was because his heart was two sizes too small, is one that I think would have helped a lot of people as they try to sort it out. Uh, I've been reading the autobiography of Bruce Springsteen, and a fascinating life, uh, but he was, you know, into his 20s, and he was highly popular and just starting to have some success. Uh, it was 1980, and he said, you know, I, I, was, I had everything that every rock star ever wanted, uh, but he said, I began to look around me, and I realized the thing that I didn't have is what I felt like was real manhood, and he points specifically to being able to have a family, and he said, I... I I knew that that was where the real men were as they were, they were getting married and settling down. He said, but I just was afraid that I couldn't do it. And he points to the fact that his own dad, uh, who was part of the greatest generation, was just kind of the silent, distant type. You know, he went and worked in the factory all day, and then he went to the bar after work, and he sat by himself, and he just tried to push everything away. And then he came home and did the whole thing over again the next day. So Springsteen's just going, I just didn't know when I reached out, I didn't know who I was reaching out to. And when the gods of rock and roll didn't give me what I was looking for, I felt empty. And so he was wanting family life, but he said, I just realized I wasn't any good at it. And so I think he captures what a lot of people feel. And it was well documented in a book in 1996 by David Blankenhorn called Fatherless America, and he has this great phrase where he talks about the fragmentation of fatherhood across the United States and just how this was uh, already at that time uh, an epidemic. Cindy mentioned this last week in her sermon about the deterioration of the family and how very often the church family is the one thing that we have to fall back on when we need to look and know what does it mean to be a father, what does it mean to be a mother. And sometimes the only place we can look is the church uh, where we have been given that in a multitude of families and of people who fill these roles for us that we don't have to grow up as orphans, but rather we are children who are nurtured in our faith. And of course, there are many great fathers. Uh, there are plenty of dads who defy all these troubling statistics. Um, but we all know, we all look around us and we see the troubling ones and, and we grapple with that. And so I have learned from St. Paul this week that a major key to our greatest triumphs and our greatest failures, whether we be a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, has to do with the size of our hearts. Paul says to the Corinthians, you are not 
restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. That phrase hit me like a ton of bricks this week. You are not restricted by us. In other words, by leadership or by uh, your call to be a part of the church, but you are restricted in your own affections. In other words, your hearts are too small. Your hearts are too small. They're restricting the flow of God's love in and through you, and therein lies the challenge. So, as we open our Bibles, if you'd like to follow along in the passage that Jerry read for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul is making his appeal to the Corinthians. He's really building up steam. He's about halfway through his letter, and he's really ramping things up. He spends the first several verses that that were read for us today uh, establishing what would have been called in in ancient societies the pathos, excuse me, the ethos of his argument. The ethos was basically his own appeal to his character and the character of the other faithful church leaders. You know, the the Corinthians at the time were chasing after all these, you know, super flashy apostles. Uh, Thank goodness that doesn't happen today. Um, But, you know, they were chasing after all these people. And Paul's like, look, we're the, we're the ones that have been here. We're the ones that have nurtured you. We're the one, and he establishes credibility by appealing to his character. So he's establishing that ethos. And then he ramps up, and at the very end of this section of the letter, he, he goes for the kind of the hinge argument for the pathos, which is sort of the appeal to emotion, the appeal to something deep inside of us that is burning, uh, that is looking for a way to express itself, the strength within all of us that's being spent on something, and it's either getting stronger or, in this case, it's getting weaker. And he says, look, we have not held anything back from you. Our love is not constrained. But you are being constrained by your own affections. So... There's this beautiful paradox as he talks about the things that are happening. You know, we, we, are, we have honor uh, and dishonor and slander and praise. And he goes through all the things that you would go through if you were being persecuted for your faith. Uh, as I put on my stole this morning, uh, some of you commented on it. And it's ordinary time, so the color, as you can see around us, is green. And uh, this is one of the green stoles that I have, and it was made, it was handmade in Guatemala. And a church member gave it to me one time, and, uh, and it's got their name on the back of the person that made it in the Guatemalan Methodist Church. And it just reminded me, as I put it on this morning, that we are to pray for the church around the world. We are to pray for the church that is being persecuted in Russia today. The church is being persecuted in Iraq today. There are the churches of Jesus Christ that are going through exactly what Paul was going through. They're being... Uh, beaten and imprisoned specifically for the fact that they have a cross on their building. They celebrate uh, the Lord's Supper in their worship services, and they pray uh, to a person named Jesus Christ. And so as we pray for the persecuted church, we remember that, that Paul was there and that these things repeat themselves. And so Paul says all these things. Again, he establishes his uh, ethos, his character, and then he turns in verse 11 and to say, we have, spree- we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. And this is a shocking thing that he does when he addresses the Corinthians. This is the only time in Paul's letter, uh, either letter to the Corinthians, whether it be 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, this is the only time that he mentions them by name. 
and he calls them according to the place where they are and where the church was planted, and he says, you Corinthians. And you can hear the endearment in the term where he's saying, you beloved people, you beloved people of God in the one place where you live, our heart is wide open. That's what he tells them. He says, our hearts are wide open. And, and he uses this, this adjective to describe what the state of the heart, and it's, it's wide, it's open. And this word, again, is used here and in verse 13, the only time in all of Paul's letters that this word is used. He's being very intentional. He's saying our, our hearts are full bore. There's no choke. Everything is wide open. We are fully transparent with you, and we're offering all of the gospel to you, and we're trying to do our best to present the image of Jesus Christ who also did not hold back and was not constrained in his affection and his love for y'all. But the breakdown comes on the other end. Y'all are restrained in your own affections. So when Paul talks about the affections, He's using a word that really is literally translated bowels, or uh, it's a funny Greek word, splanchna, and, it, and it, it's the inside of a person. But they understood that place as the seat of affections and emotions, so most often it gets translated as heart. Uh, it's, it's that heart, that picture of a heart. And you know this in, if, if you're familiar with medical things, if someone comes to you and they says, my, my heart is growing, that's not a good thing biologically. But in spirituality and in Christianity and Paul's letters, the image he uses is of a heart inside of a person that is filled with the Holy Spirit and that that heart, when it's healthy, is always growing. It's always widening. It's always opening to receive more and therefore to give more. And so he says, uh, you are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections in return, and he has this little parenthetical, I speak to you now, he says, as children. He reminds him, he says, you're my children. He's been upbraiding them pretty, pretty heavily, and he'll do a little more, but he pauses to say, you're my children. I'm talking to you like children. I'm not talking to you like people that I need something from. I'm just reminding you. I'm inviting you. He's asking, he's imploring. He says, I want you to widen your hearts also. So our hearts are wide open, yours are constrained, and the response is, I'm asking you to widen your hearts. Isn't that a great invitation? Can you hear Paul saying that? Can you hear Jesus saying that? I'm asking you to widen your hearts, to open your hearts, to make more room in your hearts for the presence of the Holy Spirit, for the church, and for those people that need to know what Christ is offering through the church. Widen your hearts. Paul is inviting them to widen their hearts through the practices of faith. He says, I know you're very spiritual. I know you think you're all grown up and you know all the fancy words and you've been there, done that. But he said, it's time to get back to the basics. Don't be chasing off after all these things and saying, well, it's not important for us to do that anymore. We are advanced now. He said, you're actually very immature and it's time for you to grow up. It's time for you to take on these practices that have always given us life. You know, commit yourselves to prayer. Commit yourselves to meeting together and wrestling with the difficulties of faith together. He tells them, do not receive the grace of God in vain. Right? There is a way to receive God's grace and it be total vanity. And the only way to do that is to receive it and then forget about it. You know, we receive the grace of God all the time, but we don't put it into practice. And we don't begin and continue the practices of faith that grace, uh, one of the early church fathers said it falls into a vacuum. When we don't practice our faith, 
all the grace that is given to us just falls in a black hole, basically. And so as we begin to practice our faith, sometimes even when we're still questioning our faith, that's when we begin to experience that grace again, because it's designed to be received and given, and received and given. And so when we interrupt that cycle, uh, we, we, we don't experience that anymore, and we just begin to kind of feel like we don't have grace anymore. So Paul says we need to pick that back up. The, the Spirit is present in your hearts. Uh, he is alive within you. And he refers back to a few different times in the early parts of his letter where he's pointing to the fact that the Spirit of God lives inside of you. I think it would be fair to call this development, this sanctification, this work of the Holy Spirit is something like the holiness of our affections. You know, if we're offering even our affections, our deepest longings and the burnings within us, if we're offering those to God, we believe that he can sanctify those. We believe that God can consecrate those affections and make them strong, give them guidance so that we put them in the right direction, right? Because Paul's not asking them to quit longing. He's not asking them to lower the meter to, you know, the lower the horsepower on the heart. He said, I want you to open it up. I want you to open it up in this direction, though. You know, it's always in there wanting out, and I'm just telling you where to put it. I'm just reminding you that in the church, it's, this is the place where the heart goes full bore, and Jesus is glorified, and this is how it works. This one hits me really personally. As I just think about, you know, who am I as a pastor, uh, as a husband, as a father, as a brother, as a friend. And very often, I'm sad to admit, this applies to me very much. I can hear Jesus saying, Ryan, you are restrained. You're, you're restricted in your affections. You know, there's parts of you that just aren't on the table. They're unavailable. And, and, you're, and it's because you're restricting them, not because I don't know what to do with them. And I feel that, and I hear that, and I wonder... Uh, what it's going to take for me to have the courage in different areas to offer it, to widen my heart. Uh, Eugene Peterson said that the besetting sin of pastors in America, and he said this in the 80s, uh, and it's still true, the besetting sin of pastors in America is that we're busy. We're, we're busy because we think what we're doing is so important, so we just get busy in the work of the church, and then very often we don't tend to the critical, important work uh, that we've been called to do. So it's actually a form of laziness. And um, so I think of that, and I think how often I have just succumbed to busyness. Uh, that's the way that Strebecks close their heart as we get busy. <laughs> we get a little extra busy. And if we're not feeling great, then we get more busy. And it's like, we're just going to work through it. We're going to grind through it. And so I realize that I depend on practices that help widen my heart, that help set me free from those restrictions and the constraints. And I would just encourage the fathers in the room uh, to join me in practicing our faith, to uh, doubling down on those promises that come to us in Jesus. All the great men that I know are doing their part to not remain restricted in their affections. And I see them doing this through practices uh, in the church. We are born this way, by the way. Uh, we, we don't have to teach ourselves how to restrict our affections, amen? I mean, we are, we are born, this is a one way to think about original sin, where we teach that doctrine that we're born, uh, you know, we're born and we're created good, but because of the fall, evil creeps in, and we need no help in turning our hearts in on ourselves, right? Our hearts are turned in on themselves from birth, and so they naturally, 
The natural thing is for them to get smaller and smaller and restricted and restricted. So the miracle comes when they begin to grow and they begin to widen. So if you experience the widening of your heart, know that it's a miracle. It's not natural. It's something that is a great reversal of what we're used to. And if we just leave ourselves alone, what will always happen, which is our hearts will get smaller and we'll get restricted. It's just like when we don't work out, our muscles just restrict. They don't grow. They don't get stronger, uh, but they are restricted. So through grace, through practicing our faith, so as to not receive the grace of God in vain, that's when our hearts begin to grow. And it's an incredible thing to see, the widening of hearts. People so unlikely that I never thought would have a wide heart. And I look and I watch as their hearts are wide open. And I, I just marvel and I say, that is a gift from God. That is someone who didn't take the grace of God lightly and they run with it. So you remember the end of the story, the Grinch. Um, <clears throat> and what happened then? Well, in Whoville they say that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And uh, I just, I think about, you know, remember the prophets? Remember Ezekiel and, and the promise of God to the people is, I will take your stony heart, your brittle heart, and I will make it a heart that's pliable, a heart of flesh. Remember in Jeremiah where the promise of the new covenant is on the way? And Jeremiah says, look, there's a day coming where there will be a new law. And it won't be the law that Moses that was written on the tablets of stone, but rather this will be a law that is written on the hearts of men and women. That's what this new law is going to look like. Hearts are going to grow. Jesus is going to come near. That's the good news, right? Is that Jesus did come near, that God came near in Jesus. Paul says right before all this, he said that God was in Christ in chapter 5, reconciling the world to himself. It's this image of Jesus offering himself completely that the whole world could be reconciled despite our sin because of Jesus' work on the cross. God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself and God is making his appeal not just through Jesus and the story of Jesus but the story of Jesus that lives on in his church that God is making his appeal through us. Can you believe that? Those of us with ever-widening hearts, we're the ones that God is making his appeal through us which is humbling, but that's how God is getting the message out to a world that needs to be loved is making his appeal through us. And so Paul says, we implore you, all y'all, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God, right? Don't close your hearts to Jesus and don't close your hearts to each other. That's what's going on, but he's, he's reminding them that there's a way out, that there's an invitation always for God to take the stony heart, and replace it with the heart of flesh. And that's the invitation that is before us to widen our hearts. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. <laughs>